We're continuing our series, I Will Build My Church. And uh, last week, we talked about the five habits of a church that looks, lives, and leads like heaven. And today, we're talking about the eight outcomes. We're going to talk about the first four. We're not going to cover all eight, so don't get worried. We're going to get out, out on time this morning. The eight outcomes of a church that looks, look at that, looks, lives, and leads like heaven. A little bit of a review, and before I start, um, I understand there's a lot of people watching online and listening to our podcast, so I wanted to welcome those who are watching online. But we talked about Psalm 127. That's kind of been a theme verse for us. But it says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And we talked about God is breathing, God is birthing, and God is building something here at Real Life Church. How many of you want to build what God is building? And we do that by paying attention to what he's birthing and what he's breathing on. So God gives us an idea, he births it, and then we begin to build it. If we get out of order, listen, we begin to work out of the arm of the flesh. Matthew 16, 18 says, I say to you that you are Peter And on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Jesus says the church I build on the revelation that I am is going to be a prevailing church. That's the kind of church that real life church is going to be. It's going to be a prevailing church, which is this, a church that looks for heaven to invade what hell deems as impossible. How many want to do some impossible things together? Seven of you. Awesome, awesome. How many want to do some great things for God? We talked about last week the five habits of a church that looks, lives, and leads like heaven. And we talked about loving God personally and the importance of these habits. The reason why I'm not calling calling them values is because a lot of times we'll take our values and we'll put them in a brochure or we'll put them on the wall, and that's as far as they get. But God wants habits in our lives so that we are activated as his church, right? He wants us habitually practicing these things so they're not just something on a wall. So in other words, our first one, for example, was loving God personally. So if someone comes to me and says, you know, what is that all about? I'm not pointing them to a brochure. I'm pointing out to you guys. And I'm saying, you know, you know, Carlos, you know, Jesse, you know, Steve, you know what? Go talk to them. They're drawn close to God. They have a personal relationship with God. They're hearing the voice of God. Go hang around them a little bit and you'll know what it, you'll know what it means to love God personally. Activated in the life of the church. We talked about the five habits, love, loving God personally, your walk with Jesus, how important that is as we walk into the future of real life church. Learning empathy, learning to walk in one another's shoes. Learning empathy releases my ability to put on and walk in another person's shoes. Living abundantly, walking in the spirit. Living abundantly is following Jesus into a life of fullness. How many know God doesn't want us to barely get by? Right? He wants us to encounter his love, his grace, his mercy, his compassion. I'm not talking about material things when I'm talking about the abundant life. I'm talking about the supernatural resources of heaven that God has blessed us with in heavenly places. And God wants us to live from a place like like that. So listen, we're not living from a place of bankruptcy, but we're 
living from a place of abundance and we're able to impact people's lives. Then we talked about leading humbly, walking in servanthood. That, listen, we were born for this. The, the Bible says that Jesus came to serve. So many people wondering what they're supposed to do with their life, what they're supposed to do when they come to, just do what Jesus did. He came to serve, not to be served, right? And we talked about shifting from a consumer mentality. Listen to activating our gifts, our time, our treasure, our talent into the body. Lead humbly. And then lastly, we talked about lifting humanity, walking in the fields of the harvest. As as we've been here 11 months, we're about to step into a season where God is inviting us into the harvest fields of our community, into the harvest fields of our city, into the harvest field of our nation, into the harvest field of our world. And we have to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I will walk. And listen, when we lift up our eyes, as Jesus said, he said, lift up your eyes and look at the harvest. Listen, he will give us the ability to lift up humanity. And when we lift up humanity, that's when God moves. That's when he acts. These five habits, if we practice them, if we don't just allow them to be a list hanging on a wall or some kind of text in a brochure, but if we actually live these things out and we say, you know what, I want, I want to love God personally, I want to learn empathy, I want to live abundantly, I want to lead humbly, I want to lift humanity, when these things are activated in our lives, the outcomes that are produced create the culture we experience together. And that's the first thing in your notes. The outcomes our habits produce create the culture we experience together. In other words, we have everything to do about what we experience as a church together. And I'm not just talking about a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night. Whenever we get an opportunity to gather, wherever wherever two or three are gathered, listen, we create culture wherever we go. Whether you're meeting in a home group or you're meeting at a Starbucks, you create culture wherever you're planted. Creating a healthy culture is one of the most difficult things to accomplish because it's a collective effort and it cannot be achieved alone. How many know it would just be easier to do your Christianity alone? Thank you, Jesus. It's just about me, right? But that's not what God calls us to. He calls us to community. Healthy leaders are birthed from the presence of God and the community, the family of God. What is culture? Culture is the characteristic, the features of everyday existence as a way of life. That's what God wants. He wants wants us these things activated in our lives, loving God personally, learning to walk in empathy, living abundantly. He wants those things a part of our everyday life. These things are shared by people in a place or time. The set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that characterizes an institution, organization, or a church. In contrast or in comparison, kingdom culture, this is in your notes, is cultivated and released by the human heart through heart attitudes. Jesus' first sermon was the Beatitudes. I always say it's the attitudes that he wants us to be. It's the attitudes that are formed in our heart, listen, that allow us to experience his kingdom. They're formed in our heart. They're released from our lives. Attitudes create an atmosphere where values are lived out. It's in your notes. Vision is caught and vessels are released 
to bring God glory. Let me say it again. Attitudes create an atmosphere where values are lived out, vision is caught, and vessels are released to bring God's glory. You see, where attitudes are right, how many know atmospheres are right? And where atmospheres are right, listen, you encounter and experience healthy culture. How many of you have ever surprised a friend? You like just showed up out of the blue. Maybe um, it was a couple that you knew and you were getting ready to knock on the door and you heard an argument happening on inside. Have you, has that happened to anybody besides me? Right, you walk up to the door and they're surprised by your visit because you didn't tell them they were coming and they open the door and they have that plastic smile, right? But you realize, listen, you just walked into an atmosphere. There's a little tension in the air. You guys know what I'm talking about? It was created, listen, by the attitude before you got there. It's the same thing with church. What people, listen, what people come in and what they experience at real life, it's formed in our hearts and it's released through our lives. That's why culture, a set of shared attitudes, is the most powerful factor in any church, ministry, or organization. Let me just ask you this question and just meditate and think about, think about it this week. What attitudes will we share together as a church that creates and permeates the atmosphere the world around us will encounter? You see, vision, and we get excited about vision, and I'm going to share some vision today, but vision is what we see. Strategy is about what we do. And culture is about who we really are at the core. You see, if the culture's healthy, people thrive, and the vision and strategy prosper. But if the culture is toxic, it's because our hearts are not aligned with healthy habits. The energy and life are sucked out of a church or organization. The creativity lags, conflicts multiply, and we drift from our vision and mission. How many of you ever been part of a business like that or a or something else, a restaurant. You ever been to a restaurant that just had horrible service, right? Something's wrong at the heart, the culture of the organization. Over the last year, uh, six years, I've really become a student of culture. It's one of the hardest things you will ever build or turn around as a leader. Executive Leadership Magazine says this, that the fact is culture eats strategy for lunch. A negative culture of an organization will defeat the strategy. Don't care how big your vision is. Don't care how great your strategy is. Listen, if the culture is contaminated by bad attitudes, you're not going to get that thing off the ground. You're not going to turn that church, that organization, that ministry, that business. You'll never turn it around. Why? Because the culture was never dealt with. My case in point, the Oakland Raiders. <clears throat> now, you must know I am an avid Dallas Cowboys fan. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I know, I know. I know, I know, I know. But over the years, because I'm not a big fan, I'm going to be honest, I'm not a big fan of the owner of the Cowboys, and so I've struggled. And, oh, the Lord knows I've struggled. But, but I've, become a, I've become a big fan of, like, teams that get turned around in the NFL. Like a coach will come in to like, you know, like Jim Harbaugh coming to the 49ers and turning that thing around, and then you wonder why he got fired, right? 
So I've become a fan of just people that are able to come in and turn around a team. And so my son said, you can't, you can't do that. You can't leave your loyalty for the Cowboys and start liking the 49ers. He said, that's a sin. He said, that's, you can't do that. He, he, he really gets upset at me. He's all, you cannot do that. It's illegal. But if you've been a Raiders fan, and, and I grew up in the Bay Area, so I, you know, I don't bleed black and silver, but you know, I feel sorry for them. But, um, but they've lived up. If you know anything about them, uh, Amy's dad, Roy, who's here, he had tickets for years. He had season tickets right there, right above the black hole. Listen, he used to take us to the games when I was younger. He used to take us to the game. I didn't even watch the game. I just watched the black hole and watched them just beat up each other. I mean, fights breaking out. I mean, everything. And they'd be like, how's the game? I'd be like, I don't know. I'm watching these two, two dudes duke it out down here in the end zone. But listen, the Raiders went 14 years without sniffing the playoffs. 2002, until just a couple of years ago, when they finally got a wild card, did they make it? But they were going on this 14-year drought, 14-year drought, and then in walks coach Jack Del Rio, who, by the way, just got fired this last year. But anyway, my point, <laughs> they're still trying to figure it out, right? But I was reading this article on how he changed the culture. In fact, he started dealing with some external things. He actually, they, they repaved the parking lot where the players players. They redid the locker room. They did things just to change the atmosphere, just to change, to lift the attitude of the players. And I was reading this article of how he deliberately changed the culture. And some things jumped out to me that I wanted to share with you that we can learn from this morning. The players said this about Jack Del Rio. They said he played at a very high level, so he knows what it takes and he knows the attitude. In other words, they were saying, you know what? He loves the game passionately. How you know we need to be passionate about the things of God? As a church, listen, we need to love God passionately. We need to understand like nobody else understands. We have to have the right attitude as believers. Listen, if we're going to see our altitude change as a church. The other thing the player said, they said he understands what we're going through. Does this sound familiar? This is, listen, this is learning empathy. He understands what we're going through, and he can see and feel the different things from his players. He just has a total awareness. Listen, he could put himself in other players' shoes because he played the game. And listen, he began to walk in their shoes, and they began to appreciate their leader. They also said this. When Jack Del Rio came in, he brought in former players as coaches. Listen to what, it, what they said. They said, all throughout the staff, former players, former Super Bowl champions, former playoff winners. How many know that's going to change the attitude of an organization right there? Who knew how it's supposed to feel, how it's supposed to be, and the energy that's supposed to be around football team is exactly what they brought. What is that? That's living out of your abundance, right? How much more? Can I just say, what are you bringing? What are you bringing to the church? What are you bringing as we gather together, what abundance in you needs to be released to get this body to even a healthier place? And then lastly, he said, I love this. He says, it's not me alone, it's us. Everybody say us. It's what we have done. It's what all the people in this building, everybody plays a part. And he goes on to say, we are all in it. 
We're all in it, and we all play a small part of it together. Collectively, we can all do special things. That's leading humbly. That's, listen, that's deferring from, you know, look at me, to say, saying, look at us. Look at what we can do. What an attitude. Listen, Coach Jack Del Rio's attitude changed the atmosphere in that locker room. Again, I don't know what happened last year, but he was asked the question, and I just felt like this jumped off the page. He was asked the question, what comes first, the winning or the culture change? And he said, I don't think you wait until you win to join up. What we have is buy-in. I love that. We have buy-in from the beginning. And church, I want, I want to encourage you, buy in to what God is doing. Say yes to what God is doing in this day and in this hour here at Real Life Church. I want to give you eight outcomes of a church that looks, lives, and leads like heaven over the next couple weeks. I'm only giving you four today. And the first one is we are a healthy church. Everybody say, we are a healthy church. For 11 months, I've been telling you, we're getting healthier, we're getting healthier, we're getting healthier. Every day, we're getting healthier. Every week, we're getting healthier. Every month, we're getting healthier. I want to declare, we are a healthy church. You see, I see a church where healthy leaders produce healthy followers. This is the season that we're stepping into as a church. No longer should we be waiting, but listen, we should be raising people up. Coming behind us, John Maxwell said, if you think you're a leader and no one is following you, you're just going for a walk. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. I love that verse. You see, the most vital characteristic of any organization's culture is trust. And it's no different with us as this church. Where trust is absent, the culture will erode. This is something important for us. Healthy leaders put their trust in the Lord, and they make the Lord their hope and confidence. Listen, you might have feel like the last 11 months we've been going through a drought or through the wilderness or what have you, but I'm telling you what the Lord's been doing. He's been developing your root system. Your roots have been going deeper in the ground. And listen, it's caused us to tap into something beyond ourselves. Because how many of you know what God's wanting to produce through our lives is greater than we could ever do on our own? As leaders, when we put our trust in the Lord, our roots go deep and we tap into the source that will never run dry and enables us to produce in every season. We are a healthy church. I see a church where healthy, active members produce a healthy, active church. Everybody say time, talent, treasure. 1 Corinthians 12, 25, 26, I'm reading out of the message, says, the way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our lives together as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt and in the healing. If one part flourishes, every other part enters into exuberance. I love that word, exuberance. 
You are Christ's body. That's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of the body does your part mean anything. You see, when we are together active with our time, our talent, and our treasure, listen, I'm not just talking about sowing it into the life of real life. I'm talking about sowing your time, treasure, and talent into the kingdom. Not, listen, not into temporary things, but eternal things. When we do that together, we experience what Paul points out here as exuberance. Exuberance is the quality of being full of energy, excitement, and cheerfulness. How do you want to be a part of a church like that? Come on, a part of a church, listen, when you walk in, you could feel the presence of the living God. The church, when you walk in, that when you look at folks, they don't look like they got baptized in lemon juice. Hello. But they look like they've been baptized in the spirit of joy. The spirit of love, the spirit of compassion. Listen, I'm not encountering the flesh. You might be having a bad day on a Sunday, but that's okay because we're tapped into a deeper source. And it's the quality of growing profusely. How many know healthy things grow? Listen, when we get healthy, listen, the natural thing that happens is growth. People are attracted to healthy things. People are trying, they want to be a part of it. Mark 2.17, I'm going to read this, but I see a church who calls the unhealthy to a life of health and wholeness in Christ. Mark 2.17, people who have their health don't need to see a doctor, only those who are sick do. I'm not here to call those already in good standing with God. I'm here to call sinners to turn back to him. How many of you have ever noticed you're on social media, but it seems like today everybody is a health coach? Is that just me, or is everybody a health coach today? Listen, I've got a bunch of friends, and I think maybe a couple of them are health coaches, like legit health coaches, but I have a bunch of friends that call themselves health coaches because they've lost weight, and they're so excited about their results, they tell everybody, church, I long for a church, listen, that has experienced such health that experience such the presence of God, listen, that they want to tell everybody about it. I see a church that is calling people to spiritual health. And how many know we can't get excited about calling people to spiritual health if we're not spiritually healthy ourselves? You see, we've done a lot of things over these last 11 months to get healthy, and I just want to make a commitment to you, and I want you to make a commitment to the Lord that we're going to stay healthy. Listen, that we're going to protect our culture. Come on, that we're going to stay healthy. We're going to fight for it. Listen, if we hear somebody gossiping, hello. If we hear somebody gossiping, we say, hey, brother, where'd you get your facts, right? Those are the kinds of things, right? This is how we walk it out. I know that's not popular, but that's all right. Number two, this is in your notes. All that was in your notes, actually. I hope you figured that out, which one. But anyway, will you say this with me? We are a diverse church. We are a diverse church. We are multicultural, multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and multi-missional. I think I made up the word multi-missional, but it's there. You see, I see a church that is increasingly multicultural and multi-ethnic. Galatians 3.8 says in the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preach the gospel to Abraham, listen to that, beforehand saying, in you all the nations 
shall be blessed. In you, everybody say, in you, all the nations shall be blessed. I looked up on the internet this week the 95834 zip code, which this church has its footprint in. The 95834 zip code is the 10th most diverse zip code in the entire nation. I want to declare over this church real life in you, all the people groups, all the nations represented in Sacramento shall be blessed in you. You see, church, I'm hungry and desperate to see the power of the gospel penetrate the nations that not only are represented in the four corners of the earth, but are represented right here in the 95834 and in the greater Sacramento region, wherever you live. I want to be a church that captures God's dream of filling planet earth with churches that reflect the ethnic diversity, unity, love, and reconciliation that we experience here as a congregation. So many people, listen, have seen the things that have happened here, even while I've been here over the last year, and they're just like, man, that is awesome. I so long to be a part of something like that. Church, we're a part of a supernatural move of God that is happening in our midst. I see a church that is multi-generational. Matthew twenty-two thirty-two. Jesus said, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You see, God's promises, his purposes, his plans, they live through the generations that follow us. It's so important, listen, that we're not living to preserve our generation. I'm a Gen Xer, you guys. 1988, I love 80s music. But when my daughter's in the car, I've got to listen to 2018. Right? Yeah, horrible. Someone said, horrible. (laughs) But listen, I'm not living my life to preserve 1988. I'm living my life, listen, that my, my finish line is my son and my daughter's starting line. I'm living my life, listen, that they don't have to start over, but they have a head start. Bill Johnson says it this way, my ceiling is my children's floor. It's a church that's multi-generational. God's promises, his purposes, his plans live through the generations that follow us. We must do all we can to make sure that our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren receive something from us that is alive and not dead. Something that is alive and not dead. Mark 7, verses 8, it's not on the screen, but Jesus warned us about this. He said, you have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions, your own preferences, your own likes, your own tastes, your own dislikes. Verse 13, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Listen, there's, there's great things about Christianity, listen, that we need to preserve. But listen, if it's man-made, listen, we need to be open-handed. Listen, whatever we hand off to the next generation needs to take off for them. Whatever we hand off to the next generation, listen, they shouldn't have to figure out how they're going to start it or how they're going to have to make it work. Listen, when we hand off the the, the baton, they should be in a full sprint, ready to run, ready to finish, ready to run the race. 
You see, the legacy we hand off, we should want it to take off. One of the things that's really on my heart, and God has been stirring people in this church, is for our young adult population. Listen, you can look around. We've got youth, we've got singles, and we've got some great young adults at this church, but we're missing a lot of the 18 to 24s. Listen, my heart breaks for the 18 to 24s, the 25s. Listen, they need to be in this house. Listen, we need to live for our children. My kids are 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Listen, we ought, to, we ought to want to create a place. We ought to put all our preferences aside and say, what do you want? What do you like? What can we do? Right? We want to hand off something that's alive. That's what we'll do. I see a church that is multi-missional. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. A church that is multi-missional. There's so many things that have been coming at us recently. Some things are local. Some things are national. Some things are, you know, will take us around the world, overseas. But listen, places like Ghana are calling our name. Places like Romania are calling our name. Places right here in our community, organizations are calling our name. We want to be multi-missional. In fact, I want to encourage you this Friday, June 1st, we're going to Natomas Regional Park for what they call in this community the First Friday. And we've been invited out to launch out a vision from this church called Love Natomas. It's something that we're starting. We have, we've only told a core group of leaders at our leadership luncheon about it, but it's going to be the outreach arm of this church, and we've been asked to bring it out. You guys remember the T-shirts, Love Natomas? Love Natomas? Well, after that, someone at uh, uh, Angelique Ashby's office had bought all those T-shirts, 150 T-shirts, and on my way home, I had an idea. How many know God breathes on ideas? He breathes on your dreams. And I, and I just had this thought. I just, I just heard the Lord say, you know what? I want you to just go up and look, lovenatomas.org, lovenatomas.org. And so I went on, and sure enough, lovenatomas.org was available. I purchased it, and God just began to just expand the vision in my heart that lovenatomas.org could be a place, listen, where we bring the community together, business leaders together, civic leaders together, churches together. We could all come together and serve and love on our city together. Listen, I took the idea to Angelique's office, and I said, look, this is what I want to do. This is what God has laid on my heart. She said, we're 100% behind it. I want you to sell T-shirts to raise money for it at the first Friday event starting on June 1st. And so we're going to be out there, and we want you to come out and hang out with us. We're going to have a, a, a you'll see real-life uh, flags. You'll see the Love Natomas booth. We'll be selling T-shirts out there. But we're going to just hang out with our community and rub shoulders with them. Amen? Everybody say, we're a generous church. I see a church that gives faithfully. Malachi 3.10, and I'm almost finished. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I've said it, and I'll say it again. Ordinary people obeying the ordinary principles of God equals his church doing extraordinary exploits. Listen, if we'll just say yes to him in the area of generosity with our time, our talent, and our treasure, listen, this church will go to the next level. Listen, the church that 
the church that you say, I want to be a part of, we can be that church. We can be the church if we will just invest and sow our time, treasure, and talent into it. Relevant Magazine Ask the question, what would happen if believers were to increase their giving to a minimum of 10%? Think about that. If everybody, just at real life tithe, there's no telling what could happen. But they're saying, what would happen if the body of Christ, people that say, you know what, I go to church, what would happen if the entire body of Christ gave 10%? And I don't know how they came at these numbers, but this is what this is the results. There would be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. The global impact would be phenomenal. Here's just a few things the church could do with that kind of money. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and death from preventable disease in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where 1 billion people live on less than a dollar per day. A billion dollars could fully fund all overseas mission work. That's amazing. A hundred to 110 billion would still be left over for additional ministry expansion. What do I want to say to you, church? I want to say, listen, you don't necessarily need deep pockets, just healthy leaders who are deeply rooted in Scripture and just doing what it says. I see a church that gives cheerfully. How do you know if we can't give with a cheerful heart, we shouldn't give? Many times, cheerful givers are focused on the crop, but reluctant givers are focused on the cost. And I see a church that gives extravagantly. 2 Corinthians 9, 9 and 10 says, Just as the scriptures say about the one who trusts in him, because he has sown extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. How many want to never be forgotten? Never be forgotten. Listen, I love... Uh, I love, we lived in Folsom for 15 years, and I've been, to, I've been to a lot of memorial services where people had lived in Folsom their entire lives. Listen, they never talked about how much money they had, but they did talk about the sacrifices they made to make the community better. Listen, I want to be a church like that. Listen, that's not forgotten. Someone Someone put out the question just a couple of weeks ago to me. They said, listen, if real life church didn't exist, would people even miss it? I think they would. I think they would. But that's what a way I want to live. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want our church to give extravagantly, give of our time, give of our ta- talent, and give of our treasure. Why? Because the end of that scripture says, even more, God is even more extravagant toward us. I was on staff at a church. We were in a building program uh, of our own, and a church in Dallas heard the podcast, and the church itself, the church in Dallas was in a building program of its own, and the pastor hearing our podcast felt moved by the Holy Spirit that their church was to give to our church. You guys following me? And so he went to his church, and he said, listen, I want to give to such and such a church, and I just don't want us to give a little bit. He said, I want us to give like we're giving to our own building program. When we got the check in the mail, my pastor opened it up, and it was a check for $150,000. You know, a lot of people would say, man, I wish I was the church on the receiving end of that $150,000, but I want to say to you, I want to be the church that is obedient and says, I want to give the $150,000. 
I want to be an extravagant giving church. And then lastly, we are an outward focused church. Everybody say, we are an outward focused church. I see a church that is intentional. Matthew 22, verse 9 says, Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Listen, I just want to tell you, we're not going to be a church that says, whoa, we're going to be a church that says, go. We're just going to say yes to God as we step in this next season as a church. I see church that is inspirational, inspired by the breath of God. The word inspiration means providing or showing creative and spiritual inspiration. It's been prophesied over Amy and I, and because it's been prophesied over us as your pastor, it's been prophesied over this church as well, that there is a pioneering spirit coming on this church. I want to just tell you, it's not coming. The pioneering spirit is here. The pioneering spirit is stirring his people, and it's been prophesied, and we're walking in this, and I believe it's on us. And I just want to say to you, it's time to connect with that person that you've been thinking about. It's time to start that small group that you've always wanted to do. It's time to act on the promise that God gave you. It's time to take the risk you've been afraid to take. It's time to flesh out the idea that God gave you. Why? Because God is wanting to birth new things. He's wanting to build new things at Real Life Church. Something fresh, something that will change people's lives, something that will spring up and grow up. And I see a church lastly, and I don't even know if Brandon is here anymore, but if not, we'll close awkwardly without music. (laughs) No, here's my brother right here. I see a church that's irresistible, a church for everyone and everywhere. You see, the church is not 1921 Arena Boulevard. The church is everywhere we go. Everywhere we're found together. I was eating at Panera Bread, and I seen four ladies from our church meeting together. But how many know they're not from our, they are the church. They're having church, they're right in Panera Bread. Wherever we go, we become the church. When we go out next Friday to the big first Friday event where people, well, thousands of people, I'm told, go to this first Friday event. Listen, we will gather, listen, and we will be the church right there in the middle of our community. How many you know these walls cannot contain what God wants to do in our city? Isaiah 43 says, Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You know, on our new website, I don't know if you've checked out our new website. We're building that out. But it says, A blessed people, a beautiful city. A blessed people, a beautiful, pe- a beautiful city. Proverbs 11 says, The blessing that rests on the righteous releases strength and favor to the entire city. Listen, what's on our lives as a church, how many know it influences the communities around us? Listen, the things that God has blessed, He has blessed us. Do you know that? He has blessed us. And when we come together, how many know that's a great blessing? That's a multiplied blessing. And listen, when we go out from this place, listen, that blessing is released to our communities. It is to be released to our communities, to lift 
the city. Verse 11 says, the blessing of favor resting upon the righteous influences a city to lift it higher. Listen, being blessed means having supernatural power working for you. The days of the blessed person are filled with divine coincidences and heavenly meeting. How many of you are going to have a divine coincidence this week? Right? Here's the thing. Listen, you've got to start saying to yourself, listen, it's not a coincidence. Listen, it's providence. It's God's power. It's God showing up in your life. The things that are falling into place, listen, they're not of your doing. They're of the Spirit of God. He is the one ordering your steps. He is the one leading you by the hand. Listen, you're following the Holy Spirit, and he is opening doors to you that no man can shut. And it's time to start stepping towards those doors and stepping across the threshold because the Spirit of God is is stirring us. Blessing permeates every aspect of a person's life, health, emotions, thoughts, relationships, work, family, community, and church. I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of that church that God is building. Not that Dean and Amy are building. But what God is building, what the Spirit of God is building, the, what, what God is knitting together, He's knitting our hearts, He's knitting our spirit for something greater. I want to be a part of that church.